and chapter number 2. Sometimes when I get home in the afternoon after work, my wife will say, what do you want to eat? She gives me a little bit of a choice. Thankfully, as the head of the house, she gives me first choice. And, you know, whatever it is, I just say, I want that. I'll take it all. Much to the chagrin of my son and sometimes my daughter. But, um, Tonight, uh, the Lord led me to speak on this subject of how to take your spiritual temperature. Philippians chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Gracious Father, we do thank you for this night that we could come once again on your day to stand before you and to sing songs of Zion and to hear your word preached. I pray, God, that you would fill me with thy spirit, that you'd anoint me from on high, and Lord, may I say only what you'd have me to say, so may it be a blessing and encouragement, if need be, rebuke to your people. But Lord, we give this time to you and ask, Lord, that you do with it as you may. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Oftentimes when we uh, come into the office here at school, we look around and uh, There'll be a kid in the office, and he'll be groaning and moaning about being sick, hurting, sad. And when the first thing we do is we take out the old thermometer, you know, and we say, uh, uh, hey, let's take your temperature because you're probably sick. Now, I'm glad, you know, we ha they've updated these things. Remember when you're a kid, those long, skinny things with the mercury in it that you're afraid to swallow? I mean, those things, you know, you, you, you could never find them, and only mom knew where they were, and sometimes she didn't know, and sometimes you hit them because you just said, I'm sick, and I can't go to school, you know. But uh, <clears throat> today, they got those things you put on your head or you put in your ear, and, and you, you can tell your temperature. Uh, and so, you know, after, after a certain degree, kid, you know, kid's sick, and so we call the parents, and they have to go home. But how do you tell the temperature of a Christian? One of the easiest ways to tell whether a Christian is spiritually sick is hearing murmuring and grumbling in a person. That's one of the easiest ways. And we see it really throughout all of Scripture. In the Old Testament, I've been going through the life of Moses with a Sunday school class, 
And we see this throughout the, the lives of the people of Israel. Exodus chapter 15, verse 24. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Numbers 14, verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, the whole congregation, and said to them, Would to God that we died in the land of Egypt, or would to God we died in this wilderness. Deuteronomy 1.27, and you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Why did they murmur? Deuteronomy 1.32, yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. Their sin was unbelief. They simply did not believe God. Spiritual healthiness, happiness, wellness is opposite of murmuring. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We live in a, in a world full of unhappy and discontent people, don't we? I mean, just go down, just ride down the road, you'll see uh, billboards telling you to get this, TV commercials full of, of advertisements to buy this, and we, we're uncontent with what we have, so we must go grasp the new thing. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The one thing we have forever, brothers and sisters in Christ, is we have Christ. And realizing we have Christ, how can we complain? How can we grumble? How can we mumble? But why did Paul write the, these words in the letter to the church at Philippi? Remember, Paul is in prison. And the theme of the book of Philippians, yeah, say it again. The theme of this book is joy. I'm not going to complain. It's joy. <laughs> Why were they complaining in the church of Philippi? They were grumbling and divisions, disputing within the church. These things were hurting the body of Christ and their witness for Christ and their community. Two things I see when Paul's writing to this church or John's writing to his church in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John or Peter is writing to his church, there's isms and schisms. Isms being false doctrine. There are people within the church that brought up devilish doctrines, false truth. And it, was, it was hurting the truth. And another thing was divisions. In this church, predominantly, this church, there were two people, two ladies, who were significant in the church, and they were causing divisions, trouble, problems within the church. And Paul actually has to write to these, these folks in Philippians chapter 4, in, verses, in verse 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, Odious, beseech you, Syndicate, that you may be of the same mind in the Lord. He writes to these people specifically and says, hey, you two, you two ladies, you prominent ladies in the church, you have great influence, but you're causing, causing great division. And folks, there's divisions in our country today among churches because there's, there's contradictory ideas about the word of God and about the worship of God and about the work of God. All over. I, I called folks last week and talked to our northern friends and they would say, man, we're, we're struggling because the pastor doesn't use that Bible anymore. Or they changed traditional, traditional song to a worship team. Or they no longer are going to be involved in evangelism because somehow they get the idea that it doesn't work anymore. 
May we always stay faithful to the word of God and not change. But divisions are going around all over our country in isms. So what are two things we can learn tonight? First of all, and I'll give you two points. First, the charge. In verse 14, Paul writes simply, do all things without murmuring and disputing. This command is to each one of us throughout all history to every age. And I believe God has supernaturally preserved his word, not just for these folks, but for us tonight. Do all things where we live, with whom we live, where we work, with whom we work, where we go to church, to, with whom we go to church, in all situations, in all circumstances, without disputings, without murmurings. The word without is a strong word. It means absolute exclusion, meaning there is no wiggle room. You know what? My flesh wants wiggle room. When I don't feel good, I want to complain. When things aren't going well for me, I want to complain. When I don't get my way, I want to complain. How about you? How about you? Be honest today. If some of you did not complain, you wouldn't know how to communicate. It's just become a part of your conversation. Oh, how's the weather? It's bad. It's cloudy. What? Don't you like the sun? Oh, it's too sunny. I mean, if it's not complaining, you're not talking. It's just become a part of your very life. He says, without murmurings. Now, this is an onomatic poetic word. I'm not going to say that twice. <laughs> the pronunciation of this word sounds like the meaning of the word. Meaning, hey, no belly aching, no griping, no woe is me, no complaining. When Israel complained about Moses, who are they complaining about? And when you and I complain against our authorities in life, who are we complaining against? God. Who sets up the authorities in our life? God. So when you and I complain against authority, we're really saying, God, I don't trust you. I really don't believe you. And that's what we're saying. Murmuring, murmuring has, the, has the idea of, of complaining with an attitude. I once counseled a lady who got a job in New York City and her husband was living here for a time, and they were someday going to meet. But she met her, an old boyfriend, and she wanted to have lunch with her old boyfriend. And after talking to the husband, I talked to her privately and said, you know what, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have this lunch. You, you just really, it's, it's not wise, and your husband doesn't want you to, and I don't think you should. And she would just say, it's just lunch. It's just lunch. It's just lunch. I said, I know it's just lunch, but it doesn't look good. And your husband says, no, I don't think you should. Don't do it. And she said, well, I guess I just won't do it. Well, she obeyed, but not really. Because <laughs> you can obey and not obey, right? You can obey and function, but if your attitude's wrong, you really haven't obeyed, right? Don't we teach our kids obedience is doing what you're told when you're told with the right heart attitude? It's the same when you're 13. It's the same when you're 66 or 96. It's obedience. It's just doing what you're told. Don't we hate going to Walmart and hearing the kid in the next aisle saying, Mommy, can I have the toy? 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 And then you run out like a banshee because you want to spank him. <laughs> Whoa, disputings, no fighting, no squabbling, no argue, arguing. Rather, 
as he says in the, this book, Philippians 2.18, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice in me. Philippians 3.1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Verse, chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Ladies, church, rejoice. Stop squabbling. Quit arguing. And focus on that which is right and true and perfect. The more we grow in God, the more we should be known for our joyful spirit. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't as we get older and we grow in God and be thankful for what, as Dr. Crabb preached on, thankful for what God has done for us in the past, and we look in the future and say, because we've read the end of the book and say, we know what God is going to do for us in the future, and then we look at life right now and we think, man, where would you, where would you rather live than the United States of America right now? God has blessed us. He's given us so many things. We should rejoice and thank God for what he's done for us. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I'm not saying we don't go through times of depression and discouragement. We all do. But that should not be our normal disposition, brothers and sisters in Christ. We should not be known for the people who moan and groan all the time. That should not be us. That should not be our reputation. That should not be our lifestyle. And if it is, we must see it, be honest about it, just by looking at that thermostat and saying, whoa, it's 105, something's wrong here. I gotta change. We focus on the problems more than focusing on the problem solver. Oh, that we would get back and say, what a glorious God we have. Oh, that we would look back and say, Lord, look what you have done and what you are doing now and what you will do. When I was in Bible college at Northland Baptist Bible College, when it used to be a good Bible college, on Monday mornings we would have works of God testimony. All week long, weekend long, the, 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 our college folks would get out and they'd be serving in local churches. And Dr. Ola would have all the college kids in, in, in chapel, and he would say, what has God done in your life today or this weekend? And folks would just pop up. Boom, I, God did this. God answered this prayer. God answered this prayer. God answered this prayer. Hey, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Remember what Jesus has done for us, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, think of what God has done for you. As I said this morning in Sunday school class, if you just say this morning or tomorrow morning as you give up, give up, get up. Hey, I don't have to go to hell. And if you tell me to go to hell, I still can't. I can't go. I can't go to hell. Think about this. Think about this one thought. Thankfulness will always lead to thankfulness. Thankfulness will always lead to thankfulness. You start thinking what God has done for you. You start rejoicing in the things, the benefits you have of being a believer in Jesus Christ. Folks, you will not be able to walk away without doing a little shindig, being happy, being glad, being thankful, being grateful, and really feeling sorry for anybody else who doesn't know the Lord. 
And then in your rejoicing, you go around telling other people, man, I loved as a young man meeting other people who were Christians, who actually had a smile on their face. I thought they were either high. No, they weren't high. They just loved Jesus. That's like, whoa, what's wrong with you, man? Hey, I go to church. I go to church. I go to church. Can I go? Sure. And I found out what was going on in their life. They had a relationship with God. Hey, it's a charge. It's simply, it's simply don't do these things. Don't be caught up in murmuring disputings. But let me give you the second point. Why not? Say, Pastor Marty, you've told us not. You told us, okay, the Bible says, plain and simple, it's a command. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, but why not? Well, let me give me th three things. Number one, letter A, our testimony, our walk. Our testimony. It says here that we may be blameless. Now, that doesn't mean perfect, because that's one of the qualifications of a pastor, and you know I am not perfect. But it means without glaring defect. I could not be a pastor if I was known as a complainer, a whiner, a murmurer. I couldn't be. It means it's, it's harmless, meaning pure, like a pure metal, not mixed with an, a, a different alloy. It means innocent. We're children of God, and we prove that we're children of God when we don't murmur and we don't complain because we're different. Without rebuke, our spiritual life is damaged when we complain, when we murmur, when we're argumentative, when we're quarrelsome. God sends adversity like sandpaper and rubs sometimes the rough patches away. Think about Daniel. Think about Joseph. I don't see a whole lot of complaining in their lives. Because they understood the sovereignty of God, and even in a difficult situation, they were willing to look up to God and say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I trust you that you are always good and that you are always right, and I'm going to follow you, and because of that, other people look to them. And they were greatly used. But what if Joseph said, you know what? Man, I got a bun rap about this, you know, this, this lady and she, her false accusations. I, I can't believe I, I, I'm throwing prison again. You, you think he would have got promoted? What if Daniel said, man, I, I, you know, it's kind of bad, you know, what they did to me physically. Not too good. And my parents are probably dead. You know what? I'm just going to fight against Babylon. I'm, I'm not going to take this. I think I'll just get revenge. You think he would have been used of God and we're talking about Daniel tonight? They were greatly used of God because, because they trusted in a great God. They had a great view of God. And your view of God says everything about you. Without rebuke. Oh, folks. Our testimony can be damaged. Remember Jesus, 1 Peter 2.23, who... When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Wow, what an example. What an example. What does, what does murmuring do? It hurts our testimony, our walk. Secondly, it hurts our talk, our witness. Paul writes, hey, that you may blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation nation among whom you shine as lights in the world when you and I bicker and complain doesn't the world see it doesn't the world look at us and say I thought you folks were supposed to be different I mean don't you guys aren't you supposed to be bright lights not dim wits 
Man. Hey, this world is, is, is crooked, crooked, morally twisted, perverse, distorted. But we sound most like them when we complain. But we're different. And people notice our difference by our speech. We make a difference. In this society, if you show up on work on time, and you use proper language, and you respect your authority, and you work very hard, you will be very different. And people will look at you, and they'll probably think, you must be a religious. You must be religious. Something is different about you. Philippians 2 is saying, holding forth the word of life. We're communing the gospel to others. We're telling, we're telling others about the word of life. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. When we speak, we speak the word of God. How can we speak the word of God and yet with the same mouth say things we shouldn't? We're trying to communicate the word of life, yet constantly complaining about our circumstances. What type of witness are we really? We say we love Jesus, but does our, does our, does our, does our words prove we love Jesus? We say good, God is good all the time, but do we, do, do we act like or do we our speech communicate that God is good all the time? We say there's power in the blood, but is there power enough in, in the blood to take care of what we say? We sing victory in Jesus, but do we ever get victory? Do we ever get victory? You see, if we spend so much time on defense, because football season is coming up next week, just to let you folks know. If we spend so much on time on defense because we're complaining and arguing and murmuring and disputing, I can tell you what, from studying a little bit about football, when you're on the defensive side too much, you're going to lose most of the time. When we spend too, so much time arguing and complaining, we're not playing offense. The world doesn't need to see any more complaining Christians. They need to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what they need to see. They need to see that something's different out there. That they're not just somebody who says they're a Christian, but just like, acts like everybody else. Oh, brothers and sister, sisters in Christ, our testimonies are affected. Our talk is affected. And ultimately, our treasure, our worth is affected. You say, man, can I just do, what I, do my own thing and, and live my own way? And aren't I going to heaven anyway? Yeah, if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you are going to heaven. But there's something we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. This passage of Scripture. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work for what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, it shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. This is talking about the, the day of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat. You say, well, aren't we forgiven of our sin? Yes. And this is a time of reward. But I can damage my reward by living a sinful life down here. When we grumble and complain and hurt the very ones we're, we call, we're called to help, don't we dishonor our parents? I mean, how many of you as a child were told by your parents, stop complaining, stop grumbling, stop fighting? When I see my two kids arguing and fighting and disputing with one another, 
I think to myself, who, where did you come from? Then my wife reminds me, you. Yeah, okay. Blame somebody. Folks, when you and I complain and argue and fight about stupid stuff, and a lot of times it's stupid stuff, we're, we're dishonoring the parents that God has given us. I tell you what, you discourage your preachers. <laughs> you discourage your teachers. When we see folks squabbling, arguing, fighting over stuff that's a lot of times just silly, we say to myself, man, is it, where's the spiritual maturity? Where's the growth? Why, why, not, why not turn the other cheek? What happened to love your enemies? What happened to forgiving one another and helping one another and encouraging one another and provoking one another to good works? What happened to that? Why do we have so many churches that are 50? There you go. The reason sometimes we can't get along. Go to North Carolina, you'll see. <clears throat> Folks, ultimately we hurt ourselves. Hebrews 13, 7, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves for they that watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Somehow, some way, your pastor is going to give an account of us. And he wants to do it with joy. He wants to be able to say, yes, yes. Thank God how they've grown. Thank God how they were used. Thank God what they're doing in their lives for Christ. He wants to give a good report. Just like when I get up to Kentucky, I'm going to ask my wife, well, how are the kids? And I hope it's a good report. I hope they say, man, they've been nice and sweet, and they haven't gotten 10 more animals, and you're going to have 10, 10 25 animals on the way home. I'm hoping they don't say that. Or to have an animal farm as it is. I want to hear good things. I want to hear positive things. I want to hear, man, you just can't believe how, you're, how, you're, how your two kids are getting along since you've been gone. I may fall over, but I'm good with that. <laughs> oh, folks, what was Paul saying? He was saying, hey, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He's writing to this church from prison with a theme of joy saying, hey, folks, I love you and I'm for you. I hear you squabbling. I hear you arguing. It hurts me. It hurts me. Because it's going to hurt you at the day of Christ. And you won't get the reward that I want you to have. You won't get the blessing. You won't have the joy. You won't have the privilege that you could have had if you just would have loved one another. But you didn't. Complaining is as common as the common cold, isn't it? When I get sick, the first thing I do, because I know, I know the signs of sickness in me. I don't know about you, but the first thing I do is I get a little sore throat. <clears throat> I get a little scratchy. And pastors say, here's my stuff, try some of that, you know, so I'll gargle, <clears throat> take the vitamin C. I mean, I just, whatever I have to get, you know, I just, you know, just get it, get it done. Because I know it goes from my throat, then it goes to my nose. 
And then from my nose, it goes to my lungs. And once it gets to my lungs, it's a bad thing. I'm going to the dock. <laughs> you see, once upon a time, many years ago, I didn't listen to my wife. I was in college, and I was busy, and I was working, and I got a little scratch in my throat, and I let it go to my nose, and I let it go to my lungs. And she said to me every day, Marty, needs need to go to the doctor. Marty, needs need to go to the doctor. Marty, go to the doctor. And I'd say, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. A month went by of telling her, I'll get to it. And I was so sick, I could not move. So I finally, she finally said, Marty, you've got to go to the doctor today. I said, okay, I'll go to the doctor. Today, I got in there and met the doctor. He said, son, what's wrong with you? I'm sick. He said, yeah, you're sick. You got pneumonia. In your lung, you have pneumonia. You, you, you want to die, son? Where do you go to school, Bob Jones? No wonder. You hard-headed jokers over there. You don't listen to nobody. Okay, yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I am from Greenville, though. Can I get a discount, please? <laughs> Taylor's right down the road. Hey. You're sick, son. You got to take your medicine. And I took the medicine, and I got better again. When you notice you're murmuring, or you know someone you love who's struggling with grumbling and complaining and disputing, you got to start asking yourself some questions. Just like you have to start checking yourself. Am I sore? Is my throat sore? Am I sniffling? Am I coughing? You got to ask yourself some serious questions. Am I right with God? If you get quiet with God very long, he will tell you whether you're right or, right or not. Seriously. If you get quiet with God and just say, Lord, show me where I am not right with you, it will not take him very long to show you. Okay, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, and you're doing this. Oh, I got those symptoms. Yes, I got them. Yeah, I, I shouldn't be doing that. No, I, I shouldn't be doing that. Oh, See, our speech comes out of our thoughts, doesn't it? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you start, you start thinking wrong, you start speaking wrong. Then you ask, hey, is my conscience clear? Am I right with my mom, my dad, my brother, my employer, my employees? Am I right with people around me? Is there sin in my life? Am I right with others? And am I willing to change? That's the big question. One thing of figuring out you're sick, the second question is, am I willing to change? Because if, if, if we're not willing to change, folks, remember, it's, it's, only, it's hurting us, and it's hurting those people out there that are dying and going to hell today. It's hurting them. Because they're looking, they're, looking they're looking for a glimmer of light. They're looking for somebody that's actually real. They're actually looking for somebody that actually loves them. And it's not looking, not just to say they love them and then with a handout to get something from them. They're looking for us simply to care and to tell them that Jesus is real. Don't we owe everyone out there in Bonita Springs that? That God is real? That he died for my sins? Because I've placed my trust and faith in him, he has changed my life forever. And he can change your life too. But if I'm so caught up in my own way, my own selfishness, my own troubles, my own problems, my own grief, 
and it's all about me and my life and my woes, how can I share the gospel with other people? How can I? Jesus said it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart today? When's the last time you, ta- you took your spiritual temperature? Well, how are you doing around the house? Because a lot of times we come to church and we know how we're supposed to act. We know how we're supposed to act in church. But folks, when we get home, we get around our wife or we get around the kids or sometimes just with our wife because we don't want our kids to know. How do we really act? Have you taken your spiritual temperature? Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. May we take him today, for he can and he will heal us. If you'll let him. Will you let him? Will you let him? Gracious Father, forgive me where I failed you in this area so many times. And speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, how easy it is to complain and grumble and gripe about so many things in this life. The troubles that we face, the problems, the woes, our own personal sins that we fight. But God, I pray that you would speak to our heart. And first, Lord, if we're not saved and we're honestly not saved, may we, may we realize our need to be saved and ask you to save us. And Father, if we are saved and we're just struggling with sin and the problems of life and we just grumble and complain and, and argue about things that ultimately sometimes don't even matter, oh God, would you speak to us? Would you break us? Would you change us so that we can be a blessing and a help and a witness to those around us? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.